Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'll, actually, I'll stand by that. I'll stand by Denzel Sexy. <laughs> Just saying. Are you recording now? I am. Nindo and shut up. I missed the first sexy. <laughs> I think right. Denzel Washington so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> you watch, out. watch your Twitter. He's going to be tweeting at you. Yeah. <laughs> he has baby. a son, America. He has yeah. a son. All right. All right. Does everybody hear themselves? Dean, what do you have for breakfast? You're always a little girl. What did I have for breakfast? She never has anything for breakfast. She had a diet coke. Diet coke. coke. I had a, a diet coke. Coke zero. Breakfast. Okay. Well, she had, she had a coke zero. <laughs> yeah. New sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> we started our day today with a great to- taste of Coke Zero. Coke Zero. Brought to you by. Brought to you by Coke right Zero. Brought to you by. The the cold tasty beverage of journalist choice. <laughs> I don't think that's it. No. No. This is this is how you fuel the enemies of the state. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. Joining us today is John Pendigraf, an award-winning photojournalist here at the Times who recently returned from a Knight Fellowship. He left for Michigan just before I came to the Times, and for months everyone said to me, Have you met Pendy? Well, no, I hadn't. But now that I have, I understand why everyone loves him. You will, too. Today's topic is Follow Your Bliss. So that title is from a favorite saying of Joseph Campbell's. And Campbell was a literature professor and author, and apparently John is a huge fan. Huge. Tell us about this man. Well, uh, I I ran into Joseph Campbell in a literature sense. I've never met him uh, in college. Um, I was studying anthropology, and he, he struck me as a, sort of an anthropology of narrative sort of person. He, wow. he Well, it's, it's the human experience, and well, uh, what he talked about a lot is what are the common experiences that are, to use one of his words, archetypical to us all, that uh, we all relate to, and, and why do those pieces make it into great stories? So he wrote a book, A Hero with a Thousand Faces, um, that show what classic fairy tales and stories and stories that have sto- stood the test of time have in common. And, of course, as a journalist, that's interesting because, um, you know, what <coughs> excuse me, the, the commonalities that we all share uh, are great to be able to recognize in stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort so of— So he was looking for themes, kind of universal themes in stories, or, or the way stories are put together? or Universal themes in, in what is it about stories— like I can make up a story right now, I might. But I can make up a story. We right don't now. make shit up, John. We don't. No, I mean, <laughs> but I could just make up a fairy tale, and it, you know, somebody would listen to it and be like, "Okay, that's not interesting." But what about the ones that have lasted for hundreds of years, or stories that have lasted for thousands of years, the Bible, right, and things like that? Um, and he was looking cross culturally, which I thought was super interesting, in what stories across time and across cultures and across languages, what do they have in common, and what does that say about who we are? Uh, on, in really universal and fundamental ways. And I like that message. I like the feeling that there are 
uh, universals, love, respect, um, you know, mm-hmm. some, some basic desires. Um, so he actually I, studied the stories and came up with – He studied stories from all different places, all different cultures, folk stories, religious stories, and um, looked for commonalities and, and what, what is archetypical about him. And, you know, interestingly, George Lucas uh, wrote Star Wars with Joseph Campbell. So it's you know and that's one of those movies that has all those like he was he was a reference point. In fact, the Joseph Campbell's book, The Hero with a Thousand Pages, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, The Hero with of a Thousand Faces, has a picture of Luke Skywalker on it because he was supposed to be um, sort of that hero. And there's a lot in there that um, like R two D two is like the frog that chases the ball, and you know there's sort of the um, the catalyst that that takes you or leads you to another world. And the master who's going to help you find your way in that world, and and things like that. There's these things that, that they have in common, that he at least makes the the point or presents the idea that um, they make such great stories that we all relate to because these sort of types of events happen to all of us in our lives. We all grow up and we all need a mentor and we all, you know, need an adventure. We need to be our own hero in some way. Yeah, he's very interested in the hero's quest, right? The journey. Yeah. So, um, okay, so talk about your own evolution because you're – so you're in this anthropology class back in college. Mm-hmm. And um, how does that lead you to where you are now? Well, anthropology was I, – I liked the the idea of um, universalities, that there are certain core things about love, respect um, that are true to, true to us all. And that was part of my love of journalism was getting out in the world is in sort of journalism as a form of applied anthropology. So that's where it has intersections with, you know, Joseph Campbell and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, okay, so um, talk to us a little bit about the fellowship. And, you know, you've been you've been at the Times for 20 years or so? 20, a while. Three, something, yes. a while, a minute. Um, and then, so why do the fellowship, what, what, was, what were you hoping to get out of that? And, you know, talk to us about that. Well, the fellowship was a uh, Knight Wallace Fellowship at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Uh, was a year to do things like study uh, script writing, um, anthropology, uh, the anthropology of narrative, how these things um, are the same and different. Particularly, I had, I had a screenwriting class, and that was – actually, this is where I have a quote. But um, <laughs> it was very like how do you use these ver- very Joseph Campbell-y um, formulas that Disney uses, that Pixar uses – to make you know the perfect sort of since you're writing fiction you can do that and of course we don't get to do that we we are involved in life mm-hmm. and it's a different kind of narrative and I've had um, being able to how many stories have Lane and I done I've done at least two or three dozen together yeah <laughs> projects you know. big big projects yeah yeah mm-hmm. um, you know that's very different than writing uh, a script because you're involved in these long term projects that twist and turn and you know and and there's things that that do follow those universals and there's things that don't or things that meander around and finally make their way you know to uh to some of that stuff um but the fellowship year was was a chance to kind of dig into all that and uh without the kind of deadline pressure um well, i think even before you went away for the fellowship that's something that we talked about a lot on our stories was finding these universal truths you know what what is not just the theme but what is the piece of this world that most people don't know about that other people can connect to you know 
yeah, that, that comes to the, your editors always ask, why do you care? You know, because mm -hmm. what is being uh, a drug addict in drug court um, trying to get your life straight have to do with, say, me? or as a random or any random reader right um but there's things about the journey that 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 do mm -hmm. so you come back and you're empowered with all of this and where's your head what are you thinking is your head exploding and you're thinking yeah. <laughs> and what do you want to do with it like how how are you going to translate all that stuff into daily journalism or De week weekly journalism <laughs> or no, monthly, weekly, journalism. monthly journalism yes whatever um Documentaries. I like. I like the the uh, the power of documentaries and the emerging potential for documentaries. Right. It, it feels like that's swimming um, downstream with the technology, um, and, and and sort of like the opportunities like podcasts, right. like these these ways that um, people are consuming information. Um, and some of the technology has been uh, very democratic, and it's getting cheaper to make documentaries. And right. you know the sort of outlets are there for people to come to podcasts and and things like that. So. Um, so you, it, yeah. I, I want to be a better storyteller. I guess that's the, um, and in you know, and with my ways of expressing it, but but ultimately just a better storyteller. John imagines a world where um, a lot of our journalism is funded by people who want us to do longer form documentary pieces. You know, because of course we understand story and we and we're we know how to put it together and um, you know and yeah, as it gets a little more easier to do, a little more approachable with technology. Uh, well, and we have this great DNA as as legacy print journalists. We have Lane to Gregory DNA. You know, we have. And you I'm can not name sure all of us have Lane to Gregory. No, no, no. <laughs> we don't. I guess we get to live with Lane to Gregory DNA. But the 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 institution has um, that great storytelling tradition. Um, right. And I think you know using that DNA and and sticking with you know the story is king and and coming up with with new ways to get to new audiences on new platforms with it. Uh, is a lot of what I was thinking about uh, in my fellowship here. I'm so struck by the fact that you guys have a lot of similarities in the way you talk about stories and in the way you're passionate about stories, right? I mean, I think that's why when Lane, when I first came, got here, uh, Lane was talking up Pendy so much, but like, yeah, I see it in the way you guys talk about stories and the way you, you know, your eyes light up and you get excited about things. This is why I love working with this man. It's like you, some photographers want to come and take a picture and be done. And John loves immersing himself in these people's very messy, extraordinary lives. You know, and we we spent a year following a girl through drug court. And I think we've talked about that a little bit. But right. learning to just be quiet and sort of like disappear in this crazy chaotic world. Like I wouldn't want to do it with anybody but John. It was Aww. like he 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 wants the story as much as the image and I think that's a rare trait I mean luckily we have some several photographers here at the paper who are like that but you think about story I think even more than images sometimes like what's who's our hero what's the arc what's the problem what quest are we on and it's really fun to talk about we did talk about that story on one of previous podcasts but it was about this girl was going through drug court and they were giving her a chance and giving her a chance and her mother was worried that she was going to end up dead and yeah, I mean, I think in that one, it would it felt like you could either relate to the girl and her struggle, or you could relate to the mom and her struggle. But that sort of idea of like, even if you didn't end up uh, having a drug problem or ending up in drug court, having a struggle, some kind of something that that you were trying to get through, um, that was so. On that kind of idea, again, you guys are paired up from the beginning. You're jumping in. You're yeah. talking through from the very kernel of the idea, I think. And we, mm -hmm. we noticed really early we wanted to go the, 
a mother. We wanted a, a mother, a husband, a brother, a sister, a somebody who cared about that person but wasn't in the throes of addiction so that we could keep up with them, you know, through the whole journey. So going back to, to, to Campbell, is that – so who's the heroic – is she the heroic person in that story? Is the, the girl going through drug court and then the the – the guy who runs the house, is he, I mean, like, how does this all play out in sort of that universal model that he talks about? Or, I think she, she was the anti-hero, the hero. She had the, she had the quest. Right. Um, you know, Ray, the guy who ran the housing uh, complex, was sort of her Obi-Wan Kenobi, And the judge was sort of her R2-D2 who, like, send her off into this world. Mm-hmm. You know, so there were, there were these people who filled these roles that you see in fairy tales and you see in Star Wars. Um, and you see it play out in real life, and <clears throat> it, it brings up this question of, of it, it's easy to, to be all Joseph Campbell if you get the right fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's harder if you're just following people's lives. But it's magic when you when you recognize, you know, these moments in people's lives. So it's good good to know them. And I'm gonna actually I'm gonna bring up my quote. Um, <laughs> Plot is for those who already know the world. Narrative is for those who want to discover it. And that's a V.S. Paul. He was a Nobel Prize winner who just uh, who just died. Mm-hmm. And as I was in my fellowship year, and I'm learning about all the screenwriting, and I'm reading this great book, Save the Cat, that's all about you know the basically the tricks that Disney and Pixar and people like that use. That's plot, and it's all very you know. And mm-hmm. um, but what we do is is by that is is more narrative because it it twists and it turns and. You know, I ended up thinking about Lane all the time when I was up there, and I ended up thinking about what I learned when I was up there all the time now with Lane because there's sort of uh, a curiosity about, you know, when and how these things uh, come together, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. So what have we done right, and what is what are you thinking that we could do differently? I mean, after you – so you go there, you get immersed in all of this, and you've got that all rattling off in your head. Are you like, oh, we do some of that, and then – Oh, we could do more of that. Oh, I think you know that's the DNA that we have. We have that um, that you know if plot is is the Disney movie, it's perfect, and it's it's a what well, you already know, so you're writing mm-hmm. it and you're writing it. You know, where narrative is like you're following Stacy the drug addict, and you're what do you, what do I not know about this world? What do I know? You know, um, Neil Brown, who was our editor, now is who is always like, where's the surprise? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's not a lot of surprise in plot. You mm-hmm. you know they're gonna, right. you know they're gonna do this and they're gonna do that. They're gonna do this and then they're gonna be a heroic at the end and they're gonna slay the dragon and ta da. Right. You know, whereas with narrative, um, you really it, want to embrace the journey. It's it's twisty, yeah. it's turny, but you know when you do hit those universal points, um, it, it's um, it's it's magic and you think like oh we did hit something with Stacy that everybody can relate to because it's been in fairy tales forever, mm-hmm. you know, because this is something that people relate to because it's the thing that happens in their life, but it's in somebody else's life. It's a lot about what you want, I think, too. And Stacy wanted to be sober, but she really wanted to get her kids mm-hmm. back. And so that was a huge quest, you know what I mean, that all these other 
pitfalls and side trips that she took. That was that was at the end of the finish line. Was am I going to get my kids back? And I think that was such a universal. Everybody can relate to and care about that. Yeah, there's the stereotypic uh, question: What does somebody, your main character, want, and what do they need? What they want is to get sober. What they need is to be the is to be the mom that they know they can be. And that's right. a deeper emotional theme than the okay, I need to you know pass my P test and I need to you know follow the rules of this house right. and I need to like that you know that'll guide your sort of A goes to B goes to C is what they want. We'll we'll guide that, but. The you know the idea of how we're going to watch this person grow is is much more about what Lane just said. The need I need to be I need to be a, a good mom. I think when we did that podcast about that story, I I, I uh, there was a par- paragraph that uh, Lane had in there that talked about her. It was such a great graph to sort of talk about what she wanted versus what what her life was like um, to that same point. So you guys talk about some of the other stories you worked on together. I mean, what are some of the things that are memorable? Oh, I mean, that's one we're working on now. It's probably the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, long, the longest and hardest yeah. one of all. But, um, I mean, yeah. we, we, we had two or three years where we almost worked exclusively with each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've done everything from it was National Toy Day where uh, Mike Wilson told us, go find something playing with a ball. We still joke about that. Get the ball. Go get the ball. It was and it's like it's 3 o'clock. It's at 3 o'clock on a Friday, and they get some brief that says that, uh, oh, the ball has just been inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame. So go find someone playing with a ball. So I remember it was raining. Remember that day? It was pouring. We're like, who's outside playing with a ball? So John and I, we, we went to the presidential pizza hugger. Do you remember that? We, we the bear hugger. The guy who picked up President Obama when he was on his uh, his. St- through Florida, and there was a pizza guy in uh, Fort Pierce who hugged him and picked him up off the ground, and there was this huge photo in the Washington Post, so the next day they're like, go write about the pizza guy who hugged President Obama. So that was a daily quick one. Yeah, so we, we've done we've done two years and two hours. Two hours, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and too many hurricanes to count. Well, yeah. <laughs> Wait, so did you find somebody playing with the ball? <laughs> Eventually we did. we did, yeah. In Hoyt Park. John lives in Gulfport where I live, a little tiny town, so I think we ended up in our backyard there, right? Yeah, found someone yeah. right in our little backyard. Okay, so they didn't work that hard. <laughs> well, well, we, we, we circled the, the whole Tampa Bay, and then we're like, oh, we need to go home. Oh, there's a guy with a ball. Yeah, well, and you're hearing like this <laughs> rumbling of storm clouds, and we're just like, and not only do you have to play, be playing with a the ball, then you got to be like, tell us about the ball. And how do you feel about you, the ball being inducted into the Hall of Fame? <laughs> Oh, we did the dude with Mom, the boat. Mom, these people are weird. The, the guy. <laughs> the, the guy. Oh, yeah, the the guy was a great story. The who? The we, the guy. <laughs> we, we went to a dude ranch. That was such a fun story. And and the, they had a, a rodeo, and it was supposed to be a fun travel story, but there are these four horsemen that opened the rodeo, the rodeo, and each one of them had a flag, and one said God, and one said bless, and then one said the, and one said USA. And John was there, and my kids were there, and we were all joking about, like, oh, that guy's God, and that guy's blessed, and there's Captain America. Who's the the guy? And so we decided to write a story about the the guy, and we got lied to and duped over the the guy, which was really exciting. John they gave us fake news. They, yeah, they did. They fake newsed us. They, yeah. they told us one guy was the the guy, and he was the fake the guy. So all day we'd followed the wrong guy. The Boy Scout. And, and then John, I remember the end. He goes, it was the rodeo was over, everyone was leaving, and we realized we were duped. So John goes up to the announcer and he's like, Will the real the guy please report? And we had this surprise ending, see? That it's a surprise ending. It was a it was a weavy narrative. It was not they gave us plot and we found narrative pretty much <laughs> because the the guy was like this perfect boy scout, you know, uh that they had 
you know, we were at lunch and, or we were late in the day dinner maybe or whatever. And, and the guy's like, I was wondering why they had me carry, you know, not carry the, the flag. And he had, a, you know, he had a little domestic violence. He was a little scruffier. He wasn't perfect, you know. Yeah, we kept saying on the way over that that guy's going to be some, you know, beer drinking, four dogs in his trailer. And, and then we meet this Boy Scout guy and we're like, huh. And then we realized, no, really, the other guy who was the beer drinking four dogs in a trailer, <laughs> black hat guy, who was the the guy. Yeah, he was. He was a little. He was a nice guy. He was just a little more time, nuanced. He was more human. I, I think that's the first time I ever saw you get mad, though. When we realized they were lying to us all mad. day. Yeah, John I, doesn't well, get mad very easily, but that oh man, like, well because we've been we went on a cattle ranch, you know, and I, I have the Boy Scout like roping cows, and we have it all day. I have like tons of tons of footage of this guy, and then the sun setting. And you find out you've been lied to, and I have nothing of the real the the guy, you know. So yeah, I got I got grumpy. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about um, getting close to your subjects. And obviously, intimacy is is where you have to be to get to that level you're talking about, right? And we've talked a lot about that here and there on the podcast. So as a photographer, I would think you have a little bit harder time. You've got a camera in front of someone or a microphone. Um, how do you do that? I mean, obviously, just in the time I've known you, I can see that you're you're very personable. You have an easy way with people. But what are there any things in particular you've learned to do over the years to really get them to, you know, cut themselves open, share? You stand near Lane Gregory. That's, <laughs> no, and that's actually not a joke. Um, you, you, so that's what you all have to do. Okay. We smoked cigarettes yeah. together for the we first time in 20 years. Oh, we, we were doing the drug court story. Everybody around us was high and and drugged out all the time. And we'd be like 3, 4, 5 in the morning and we're not drinking and we're not partying. And we're watching all these people. And John was like, I need a cigarette. I said, <laughs> I need a cigarette too. We would bought a bag of cigarettes. And we thought that we'd either smoke before or after. But it was like trying to yeah. blend in, you know, in this world. And just like everybody's outside smoking. So it was like that was. You got to smoke. You know, <laughs> sometimes you smoke them if you got to smoke. No, John, John is amazing about putting people at ease. Yeah, I, mean, I should have I'm, asked you. I'm going to blow his horn yeah, for him because yeah, yeah. he won't. But he's he. you don't ever go in with the cameras up. You don't ever go in with a set list of questions. You're, you're conversational. You're very laid back. You connect with people on the side, too. Like, John's not always just going for the star in the middle. You're, like, making friends with the, the people on the edges and stuff, too, and very willing to share your own life stories you know so people can connect and just you're very good at putting people at ease he always has some no. silly joke too bad jokes bad jokes very <laughs> bad jokes has your um lane and i on this podcast we've talked a lot about sort of the evolution of her career and how you know over time you get better and better at things and then you know and and that we're still working on things so like what do you what are you working on right now what are you trying to get better at that's well the documentary stuff and yeah. and the narrative and 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 I'm I'm really struggling we kind of on where that balance between plot and narrative is you know because you're representing people's lives and it's it's important and people have trusted you and you don't want to um, do that wrong and in that you see a lot of um, I think on on TV and in movies we're just fed such perfect plots all the time mm -hmm. that um, you don't want to force reality into those molds, but you do want to recognize those those moments and those truths when they come up. And particularly when it just comes down to actually putting something on a video timeline and the choices you make, um, trying to get better at figuring out um, 
how to just you know just be a good storyteller and be as honest as possible about it um which may sound like sort of an esoteric answer but it's not esoteric when you're actually like cutting something together and making choices mm-hmm. you're like is, is does this feel responsible or not responsible talk about yeah. for a minute how you um researched how to do the opening for this documentary that we're working on now because i love that scene like if i was going to write a story about john's life i would include that scene of you in the middle of the night watching disney movies watching the beginning of the disney movies remember oh. you said yeah um and that was a lot of the fellowship came up with the importance of some of the things your uh your opening scene is important your opening image is very important and so is the importance of uh establishing a sense of place so i wonder well how did the you know how do people do that this is you know and so uh, thinking about how to cut what we're cutting together here, I just watched the first five minutes of about 100 movies. <laughs> just, you know, because... All well, at once, right? Like back to back yeah, to back. Yeah, just to back. back to back. You just you just watch how people open movies. You know, if you want to think, how do you open it? You know, I watch the documentaries. I watch the Disney movies. I watch whatever. And, you know, sure enough, they have a lot in common. And so uh, because I was feeling overwhelmed about, like, doing something, you know, I came uh, to the paper shooting film right <laughs> you know and shooting stills and we've gone through this you know this evolution in journalism and and well the world has and so you know and taking this next leap i was just i was like how do i get started um so i got started by just you know i didn't have to watch 100 movies i only had to watch the first three or four minutes of a bunch of i don't know how many there were but a bunch i just backed up just back to back to back to back to back when you think about it, it doesn't take that much time yeah you know and what was your commonality you found a, a, a really strong theme about how people open movies right overviews yeah that's i went out and bought it's a drone. big <laughs> yeah and then they come in close sense of yeah, place sense like, of place mm-hmm. and I, I think there's there's mm-hmm. i don't know why honestly psychologically but i think you need to be transported from where you're sitting or your living room into where they are and if you skip that you i think you've missed that that uh it's not hypnotic but it is a transportive moment um where people and i think people um have a visual sensibility and intelligence because they've watched so many movies and they there is a sort of okay i'm sitting down and now i'm going to do this and so you need to tell them that you're joining that process and that like you know i think you may not think about it but once you recognize you're like yeah when i sit down a movie this is what happens right you have a big wide sort of I think some stories struggle for that when they don't, when you, as a reader or an audience, you're not grounded. You don't know where you are or what the character is or what story you're really trying to go to. We just got a kitten. And <laughs> the kitten needed that. Two days of like, where am I? And you think, like, it's important. You can't just drop somebody in somewhere and be like, okay, by the way, you're, you're in this child's life. It's like, no, you need to see the neighborhood. You need to see. And it's, 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 it seems like a simple thing, but you can't skip it. Um, I thought let's end on I uh, just want to go back to it for a second um, so you were talking about which I think is the as all of us as you go through being a storyteller over the years I think you grow to embrace that ambiguity and shades of gray are actually really good and like that it's okay because I think we all start off during trying to tell stories that sort of have a nice neat ending right and don't you I, I assume because I feel like both of you do that you both sort of embrace it's okay if it's not a nice, neat. In fact, that's life. That's more often. It feels more genuine, doesn't it? Absolutely. There's. Uh, if anybody's bored enough, Bruce Springsteen did a South by Southwest talk where he talks about the importance of embracing contradiction. And he was talking to musicians, but he said you need to be like, I'm a rock star and I suck, you know. And that. <laughs> but we all. But but yes, it, knowing that any politician, anybody do a story on anything, whatever, is going to have contradiction. That's the good stuff. 
And I think find, finding some meaning out of that too. And I mean, I know we struggled a lot with our, our drug court girl. Like, like we wanted the ending to be she's sober and she got her kids back, and that didn't happily exactly happen. Yeah. yeah, the happily ever after was like, okay, I'm not doing pills, but I'm smoking a joint, but I'm sitting by my kid, and so it was like a half success story, right. you know. But and you walked away thinking this could go. Either way. She's better off than when we met her, yeah. but we don't know how long it's going to last. Yeah, I mean, it ended, well, you know, visually with her holding up a diploma from drug court. I mean, she made that journey. Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she got the certificate, and, and that's, you know, there's always a little question mark of life. Okay. If you have a question for Lane or John, or you want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. And join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next episode. This podcast was produced by Denise Keenan. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.